Get ready and tune into the Doctor's Guide Podcast, raw and unfiltered, a unique platform to help you optimize your health through dynamic role-playing, real-life challenges with expert guests and your host, Dr. Bart Rademacher. I'm Dr. Bart Rademacher, and this is the Doctor's Guide Podcast. Once again, you will find out some particular insights and action steps that you can take for yourself or a family member as you can relate to what we're going to do next. Because one of the things that I've discovered over the years, I've been in practice for the last 25 years, and I'm honored by my two guests, uh, Rob and Ben, both doctors, both accomplished doctors, because what we've discovered really is that you know navigating the complexity of your health can be pretty daunting. And since there is so much information out there, and, and I don't know what your particular problem is, none of us do, but I do understand the process that we need to take so that we can make the best decisions for ourselves. And so this is what I hope that you will get out of this. It's that process that you can implement in your own personal life or for someone else that you care about so that you can make the best decisions for yourself. How is it that you trust the people that you're talking to? And how can you question them in the correct way? And so I'm delighted to do this process, which I, in fact, I learned from Sean Callaghan. He's a really cool dude. He's actually a blind attorney, and he's got a similar show for, from, for, for himself that I'm glad that I'm reproducing in the healthcare sector. And what we're going to do is we're going to do about a six-minute role play. Uh, Rob and Ben will assume a, a role of either a someone with a problem or a condition, whatever that is. I didn't know, don't even know what it's going to be yet. And, you know, Ben will guide them to a resolution. And then what we're going to do is we're going to unpack all that. My hope is that you get some great insights for yourself. But more importantly, I want you to meet both Rob and Ben and potentially connect with them if they have something, some magic that you're going to want to have for yourselves. So I'm going to first start off with allowing Rob and Ben to introduce themselves. And then what we're going to do is we're going to find out what roles are going to play after they both introduce themselves and then we're going to go into it and unpack it afterwards. So, Dr. Rob, who are you? Yes, hi there. I, I'm Rob Rizak. I'm a palliative medicine doctor out in Cleveland, Ohio, at an academic institution here. Uh, and I direct our palliative care program here. And I'm an educator and father and a husband and an amateur comedian. And he's an absolutely brilliant man. I had a lot of respect for him and learned a lot of things from him as we've worked together in the personal development world. So I really appreciate you being here. And I know he's super intelligent because his wife is also super intelligent. And he was smart enough to marry her. Ben. I married up. I married up. She uh, She's the most amazing woman I've ever met in my life. So, yeah, I'm the winner. Love it. Love it. And Ben. I'm Ben Thompson. Uh, I am the head chef for the Thompson family. I'm the associate diaper changer and the lead engineer in the division of waste management. Uh, professionally, I'm a palliative medicine doctor, and I'm very fortunate to call Rob one of my mentors. Um, we met uh, on the internet when uh, COVID happened, and he's been uh, a, a big mentor for me ever since. I do palliative medicine in Columbia, South Carolina at an academic institution. And so, now he, not only that, he is also the chief of palliative care. So much higher position than, than I've been at so far. So I, I just want to point out something beautiful, guys. I mean, wouldn't you want all your doctors to be like them? It's super cool and super funny. 
So I'm blessed today. So what role are you going to play, Rob? So I'm actually an internist by training. And so I'm going to be an internist uh, asking Ben for help for one of my patients. And Ben, what role are you going to play? And I'll be the palliative medicine doctor guiding Rob through the decision-making process for his patient. All right, go for it. Got six minutes. Hey, hey Ben, thanks so much for answering my call. I needed your help with the patient. Yeah, Rob, uh, of course, man. What's what's going on? What can I do to help? So I've been in the ICU now, and I've got this woman who is in her 60s, late 60s, who has heart failure, has COPD, has some kidney problems, just some chronic kidney problems from her diabetes and high, high blood pressure. And and she came in and came in with heart failure and and then developed a really bad pneumonia, was switched over to our our service, um, and and was really doing well initially, but she has since deteriorated and is now going to the ICU. And she's someone who was really active for quite a while, but over the past year has had a bunch of complications, especially in the hospital. And uh, I'm really concerned about her quality of life. And, and I think she's got several children that she's, that are helping make decisions for her periodically because she gets confused here and there. And so I uh, would really help, uh, really benefit from your help. Yeah, of course. That sounds like such a challenging case. So you're telling me you have this patient who's in her 60s, who has problems with her heart that brought her in. She developed lung and kidney complications. And now she's so sick, she may need to go to the ICU. Yeah, and I'm worried that she's so short of breath, she may end up having to be hooked up to life support. So, um, and I know she's, she's a singer, really, really enjoys singing still. And uh, that's, that's part of her identity. Um, and so I know her, her kids are a little conflicted about what to do and how best to care for her. Reading between the lines, it sounds like you're worried that the quality of life she may have after this ICU stay may not match up with what would be important to her. Probably. And I think, I think the question is, can we get her through? I think so. But there's a possibility she may not. And so, uh, and I think we need to talk to the family and yeah. really make sure uh, they understand what's happening. For sure. Uh, before we talk to the family, have you talked with some of the specialists who are involved with her case? It sounds like her primary problem is her heart. Have you talked with the heart failure specialists about what options she may have moving forward? Yeah, I mean, you know, her, um, her EF is okay. Right now, it's not as bad as it was before. So she's been optimized medically um, uh, and during this hospitalization. So she's on max therapy right now. And from our from a cardiac perspective, she's doing okay. It's I think a lot of this is she's had pneumonia, and then there's some concern about an abscess, and then there's other issues that have occurred as a result of everything that's happened. And it turns out, we find out later on that uh, in our hospitalization that she uh, has a history of smoking um, for about 20 years. 
So I'm really concerned about the uh, her lung capacity and you know how how much would she actually recover. This sounds like a complicated medical case. Uh, and you said the family may have some conflicting ideas about how she may want to proceed. Yeah, well, she's got three daughters. Uh, I think the oldest daughter is the one who's been helping really manage her care. Uh, it doesn't sound like she's had advanced directives written up and she's sort of in and out. And so, um, so I've been trying to get all family members to help make decisions. Um, you know, she's widowed. So her husband died about 10 years ago. Um, and her three, three daughters are the ones who are, I'm trying to get to make medical decisions. And it sounds like the oldest daughter is the one who's been trying to run the show and, I think the younger children are at a point where they're really concerned about where she is medically. Uh, and the oldest daughter wants to go full throttle and really um, push for very uh, a lot of aggressive care, which is okay. It's a matter of, um, and but some things sound a bit unreasonable. And the patient isn't at a point where she can make her own decisions. No, she's not. I mean, she every now and then she uh, she kind of it comes and goes in terms of her cognition, um, and so it's been really hard to really catch her. At yeah, one minute, where left. one minute left. It's been uh, difficult to catch her at a point at a point where she's like fully cognizant. And you said she's never written any of her wishes down in, in advance directive, to the best of your knowledge. No, you know the daughters are. The oldest daughter, especially Cynthia, has really been the one caring for her and at, at her bedside most of the time. So she's been, um, she probably knows her best in terms of what she's able to do and what her daily life looks like. And I think the other kids, you know, one is out in LA and the other is in New York. So um, it's been, it's been challenging. So would it be most helpful if we find a time for the two of us to sit down with Cynthia and the other two daughters, either via FaceTime or on the phone, and, yeah. and see what we what we can do to yeah. honor your patient's wishes? Yeah, that'd be great. That'd be great. Awesome, guys. <clears throat> well, thank you. So, Rob, what was that for you? Where were you? What's going on? And And then I'll go to Ben. Same question. Yeah, I've just been really concerned about, you know, there's been a lot of signs that she's not doing well uh, and that she may not do well. Um, so I've been really concerned about that. Yeah. Ben, <clears throat> where are you coming um, What was that for I'm you? Coming, I'm coming from a place of this is a this is a bread and butter palliative medicine consult. A lot of times we're supporting patients and their families. And sometimes we're supporting our colleagues. So checking in with him, seeing if this is, if this feels emotionally difficult for him, what the medical problems are, what the social problems are. And if I had more time, I would have gotten into the existential, psychosocial, cultural uh, issues that this patient may be experiencing as well. You know, I'm so glad you, you brought this up. <clears throat> um, to be honest, it was a bit of a surprise. Um, but it's a very serious matter, and I think a lot of uh, a lot of people don't realize uh, the intensity of this 
particular situation and the di difficulty of all that as well. So I'm actually really grateful that you brought it up. And and I, I want to point out to, to the listener, um, these two bring in a tremendous amount of humanity. I mean, they're both comedians and they bring a tremendous amount of humanity. And, and I hope that you you pick that up in 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 their delivery of of sharing what the problem is and and asking for help to to navigate you know what's going on because oftentimes i wouldn't say oftentimes but it's possible that the docs will not get the support or the consumer or the patients or the family won't get that support and so it sounds like you guys really are trying to work together with the families and everything else and so share some more insights that you have um just as after I just put that in context, which I want people to hear. Yeah, I mean, I mean, so I, I think in palliative care, we try to see people as whole people and not just someone with a disease. Um, and so, um, and I think that's one reason I wanted Ben uh, to help because it turns out they're actually quite often the ones who see people as a whole, as a whole person. And not only as a whole person, but their family too. You know, we're the ones who actually really engage the family to help with decision making, and so and make sure people clearly understand what's happening. Um, and, and I, th I think the other issue is quite often uh, people in the community and patients they actually may not have had conversations about what things are really critical for them. You know, what things are they willing to go through for the possibility of more time, or you know, what are what are some non-negotiable things that they're willing that they that they have in terms of, you know, their cognition or their ability to eat or or get around or be independent? And so these are conversations that are generally not generally not easy. Uh, at the same time, they can be navigated with uh, with the right people. Ben, your thoughts? Yeah, I agree with. Everything Rob said, of course. Uh, I, the one thing I don't agree with is you said that I'm a comedian. Rob is the one with a lot of comedic background. I'm just uh, I'm just a straight man for him, for the most part. Um, but the the biggest point that I'd want to make is that the medical system, uh, just the system that we've created, breaks people down or can break people down into a collection of organs and a collection of disease processes, and will miss out on the patient themselves. Uh, if you'll recall from the vignette that Rob gave, the patient's big problem is her heart failure. And when I asked Rob for... Oh. You got well, then, we were that overwhelmed by that question. Yeah. <clears throat> um, so, well, we'll continue until he gets back from his frozen state. <clears throat> um, <laughs> so so um, I, I can imagine it's tough because I, I think you alluded to the fact that people have different levels of awareness of abilities, resources, and all these different things. And it must be very challenging with, you know, your level of insights and knowledge and experience, you know, to then have a, a, a sensible conversation you know, with a fa with a family, <clears throat> that oftentimes they're just not going to understand fully, and mm -hmm. so how do you best navigate that? Because I mean, I, I I felt your heart come out 
and and I and I hope that um, all of us can always do that in the time of need. Yeah, and so I, I think some of the way to navigate it is really to get to uh, a person's values, right? To really get to know someone, and so and quite often when we do that in the hospital, people ask, "Why are you asking me all these questions?" And the reason we're asking these questions is we want to get a sense. We want to get people's essence of who they are, right? And and we ask about, would you be able to just give me more information about you? Like, what brings you joy? Which is actually my favorite, and I think it's probably one of the most question, most important questions in healthcare uh, about joys and figuring out ways to give them some of that joy back. Um, and and so. That's sort of how we we navigate some of those conversations. So how do you deal how do you deal with um, individual like agendas, for lack of a better way of saying it? Because um, some people will want to do everything and throw everything in the kitchen sink, and and others will walk away and and not to justify either one. I mean, I think everybody does the best they can with the resources that they have. You know, some people will run away as fast as they can; they just can't handle it. Right? Mm-hmm. That's no judgment there. So, so how do you navigate that part if there's such a disparity or conflict within the family themselves? Yeah, so I, I think a lot of it becomes, okay, um, who is this patient? If she can speak on, on her own behalf, what would she say right now? I think that's probably one of the gold standards of decision-making because uh, you have family members who are making decisions for that one individual um, but we want them to make that decision based on who that person is and what they would want. Yeah. Um, I'm not a comedian, by the way, but I think what happened just a minute ago is that you're pretending to be a ventriloquist, Ben, and then you had, you know, Rob just do the talking. This is uh, <laughs> this is the third device that I've had this call on. So it's it's that kind of night. You know, I got both kids to bed got everything set. It's, uh, it's wonderful. Um, but you're right, Bart. And, and Rob, yeah, the substituted judgment standard, you know, what would they want if they were here talking to us is so important. Um, there's this famous study in our field about early palliative care for patients with metastatic cancer. And what it showed is the patients who had early outpatient palliative care lived longer and had a better quality of life. That was defined as fewer ICU admissions or fewer uh, episodes of life support at the end of life. You know, 50% in the control group versus 33% in the intervention. Um, And what it took me a couple of years to figure out is that even with early palliative care, 33% of patients in the intervention arm chose to go to the ICU, chose to have the aggressive measures done, even if the doctors, the palliative care doctors, the ICU doctors, the cancer doctors are all telling them, listen, being on a ventilator is not going to cure your cancer. That has made you so sick that it's going to require that you be on a ventilator. So once I divorced myself from whatever the decision that the patient makes and have instead held myself to the standard that I need to give them all of the information to make the best decision for them, Yep. And to make sure that the entire medical team has 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 explicitly conveyed all the necessary information, uh, I think that's when we've done a good job in palliative care. 
But I'm guessing the one big challenge for that <clears throat> is time. You don't always have the amount of time that you want and and the energy, if you will, to be able to convey that, or maybe they don't have all the time. Um, I know our time is almost up, and so I'd like to leave each of you with an opportunity to share one specific insight or action step that someone could take listening, um, and then how do people find you as well? So I'll start with uh, you, Rob. Yeah, so you know, I think one thing I want people to get out of this is to help them understand that palliative care is actually holistic care for people who are seriously ill and their and their families to be able to support them, to help them better understand what's happening, and then help with their decision making and essentially getting a sense of their values and goals, and then and then maybe making recommendations based on their values and goals. So it's more it's more like precision medicine. And how do people find you? Uh, on Twitter, Rob Razak, R-A-B-R-A-Z-Z-A-K. Great. Ben? There have been a couple beautiful illustrations of what palliative care is over the years. I think the one of the ones that sticks with me the most is palliative care is the umbrella. You want the umbrella before the rain comes, right? If the, if the physician team is running out into the storm to hand you an umbrella, it's a lot less effective than if you had it all along. So early palliative care, giving us the chance to get to know the patient, uh, their values. You know, if we were able to meet this patient before she was going to the ICU and we could find out about her, her uh, singing career, or dancing career, and what was important to her then, we'd better be uh, able to help her make better decisions now. So I, I don't think there's ever a time once you're diagnosed with a life-limiting illness to have a palliative care doctor or palliative care team uh, behind you. Awesome. And how do people find you, Ben? I'm Ben W. Thompson on Twitter. So <clears throat> what I hear from both of you is it's a matter of everyone being as proactive as possible with understanding, you know, personal values, um, you know, personal issues that you know are meaningful to you and 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 you know engaging uh with an open heart you know with the the docs that are absolutely trying to do the best uh, for the families and as much as it's going to be very stressful for the families as well and potentially yelling at the docs you know they're only just trying to help you out <clears throat> and so and, and they're souls too and, and they only have a limit of so much you know energy thrown at them <clears throat> that they can handle and you know I think the kind of field that both of you are in, um, I have a tremendous amount of respect for you, more so now, Rob, than I've ever had before, because now I, I appreciate what you do, and, and you as well, Ben. But the one final note that I can say is, you know, being proactive, uh, be proactive for yourself and, and not get yourself in this position in the first place. And I'm all about health optimization in all of its dimensions. And that's one of the missions that I personally own. This is why we have this podcast is to to deliver insights and action steps that people can take to you know optimize their health in all sorts of different ways and i'm really excited to be talking about these tough topics um, with outstanding physicians like yourself but also many other health types of uh, uh, health practitioners or providers or even anyone else in the health space that's that's an authority because part of the challenge today is that there is so much misinformation, so much confusion out there, and it's really difficult, even for myself, 
to start making the right decisions. And so that's why I turn to the people I trust. Um, I think I trust you now more, Ben, than than Rob, but uh, that'll, that'll be something we'll have to figure out later on. But I want to thank you both. Uh, ben, Rob, thank you so much. Um, I know that for the listeners, uh, reach out to them if you have any questions. Um, they're outstanding human beings. And we will be back. And I am Dr. Bart Rademacher, the Doctor's Guy podcast. Exciting to bring people like Rob and Ben to you so that you can optimize you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to The Doctor's Guide, an innovative approach to help you navigate the complexities of your health journey with Dr. Bart Rademacher and his expert guests. Tune in to more insights and action steps on our next episode every weekday at 6 p.m. Eastern.